everybody, and welcome to the June 3rd, 2020 edition of Peaceful Globalist Review. I am your host, the Peaceful Globalist, Ephraim Josine. And ladies and gentlemen, when I got up in the morning, I just felt this disturbance in the force. I really did. Um, but I haven't felt disturbance this bad in a long time, like since 77. So, whenever I feel this major disturbance, I do what I always do, okay? I only do this in desperate times. I go to the Daily Stormer, <laughs> and I saw this headline, and I knew it was going to be a good day. Cack-sucking Republicans bring down Steve King, primary lost. Of course I knew about this ahead of time. I was telling you about it on Monday. Yeah, Steve King had his primary last night. And he got, I think it was 36% of the vote out of five candidates, okay? His op major opponent, the guy who defeated him, beat him by 10 points. Or just under 10 points, actually. So this was a mandate from the people of Iowa. that They did not want Steve King in office anymore. And some people just couldn't take that. Um, hence why Andrew Anglin who runs the Daily Storm, which if you don't know, is a white supremacist website, uh, said the following. This is how he began his article. Welp, there goes your one congressman that defended the white race. This was an organized campaign by the Jews to push this man out of office. No one votes in primaries. Actually, about 80,000 people voted in that primary, but, you know... Unless they're nominating a presidential candidate. So Jews were able to organize a big push to get Steve King removed. Because that's a democracy, goy. Yes. Yes, Andrew. It was the Jews. It's always the Jews. It's never anyone else. You think eventually the Jews would just, like, get, get tired and, like, take a break and say, you know what, we're going to let the gays take over for a little bit, okay? We're, we're, we have had a good run, but we need to take a nap, okay? Gays, you can be our second-in-command. Um, you go ruin things for Andrew Anglin, okay? <laughs> okay? Steve King, for those who don't know, is basically the most white nationalist person in Congress, okay? And he had, since Trump was elected... Started making more and more comments. The one that really pushed it over the edge was when he said that uh, white supremacy shouldn't be seen as a bad thing or something along those lines in 2019. Um, and that just pushed it over the edge. Nobody could stand him anymore. Okay? Now, King had been in Congress since 03, and on that time he had served in several committees and was Bush's ambassador to terror. I cannot do that reference anymore, and I think he's about to be gone, and that's the worst part of all of this. Uh, <laughs> but, and now, in all seriousness, he was removed from several committees as a result of that comment, and a result of just him being a racist. Like, everyone agreed he was a racist. Anglin, Anglin will deny it now, but he directly said in 2017 that Steve King was an open white nationalist. Seriously. Of course, now he'll deny that and say it was actually a plot by the Jews, despite the fact he even starts the articles denying that, saying King stands up for the white race. Well, okay, what does that mean exactly? Oh, that he's a white nationalist. Oh, so, so he's a white nationalist. And no, the Jews are making you think that. <laughs> it just doesn't make
make any sense. Anglin's ideology is utter nonsense. I'm sorry. It just is. And as for Anglin in general, he's basically spent all of 2020 in meltdown mode, by the way. It really, ever since the Weinstein verdict, which he defended, that's the only Jew Andrew Anglin will actually defend is Harvey Weinstein. Think about that for a second. <laughs> uh, which his fellow white nationalists and neo-Nazis were all mad at him for. And when you get them to be mad at you, you know you. Well, normally you've done something right, but like when even they're on the side of the rest of the population of most decent people, you know that you maybe it's just kind of your stupid person. And since then, Anglin has been in more and more and more meltdown mode. And it is just, oh my god, it is amazing. Honestly, I love watching this. Seriously. If you have the stomach for it, I encourage you to actually check out the Daily Stormer. At least, not like every day, but at least like once a week, okay? With your ad block turned on, of course. Just to see that man continue to melt down. It is absolutely hilarious. Honest to God, it's, my, it's one of my favorite things to do, and I'm probably on a watch list as a result. Um, but I don't care. I really don't care, because... Oh my god, Andrew Anglin, if you are listening to this, you have provided me with so much entertainment for all of the wrong reasons. Seriously. Seriously. He is just such a loser. And that's the thing, by the way, with neo-Nazis. You know, we often just treat them as these big, evil menaces that are going to put us all in chambers. Neo-Nazis these days are losers. L-O-S-E-R-S. -E they lose, okay? And as we've established, people who lose are losers. Uh, <laughs> of course, you should fear the rise of fascism, okay? But Richard Spencer and Andrew Anglin and Nick Fuentes are not going to bring it. They lose so much. It's amazing. Hey, Nick, what apps are you banned from again? Oh, wait, no, if you passed, just say the ones you aren't. I think the people who made the calculator app on your phone banned you. <laughs> Angry Birds is officially banned in Nick Fuentes. This is the commentary you can't get anywhere else, by the way. Uh, <laughs> back to, uh, speaking of losers, let's talk about Steve King. <laughs> The thing is with King is, you know he was kind of, he thought he could get away with a lot more because he made the assumption that when Donald Trump was elected, white supremacy and white nationalism became an okay political position in the U.S. And he felt comfortable and he let a few too many things slip. That's what happened. That's why he said what he did. You know that King was thinking before he made all of those comments that he was going to be the loud voice of the silent majority. The silent majority, for those who don't know, is a phrase used by Richard Nixon, which basically meant, well, looking back, it basically meant racist white people who voted for George Wallace. Um, but you know that's who King thought he was speaking to, and he thought he was going to get all those support, and he'd be hailed at the next straight bride perfect.
I'm never getting over that that was a thing. But now what actually happened was he clashed with a lot of people. It's the same thing when Todd Akin talked about legitimate rape. You know before he said that he thought that he was going to be championed as some pro-life hero who spoke the truth that no one else was willing to, when in all actuality, all he did was look like a buffoon. Even other Republicans were calling him out. That's the same thing that happened with King, was he thought he was going to speak to the silent majority. He was going to be held up. He was going to be the savior of Western civilization. He was going to be president after Donald Trump. There was going to be a big civil war between him and Josh Hawley. Now it's been cut short. Here's the thing. I think Holly is going to be the Marco Rubio of 2024. Seriously, I do. Okay? Now I think Steve King, before this he was going to be Rick Santorum in 2012. Now I think he's going to be Rick Santorum in 2016. And I think they're both going to run. I don't think either of them have a snowball's chance in hell, but I think they're both going to run. Seriously. That's a long way away, but that's my guess right now. Um... But now, as it stands, as it stands, you know what King was thinking the reaction was going to be compared to what the reaction was. Now, what I found specifically weird was how many right-wing nationalists were biting their tongue on this. Zoomer clips didn't say anything. Seriously. Neither did Columbian Bugle. Neither did Harmless Yard Dog. Neither did Ann Coulter. Neither did Ryan G Gurdinsky. Gurdusky? Yeah, Gurdusky. That's how it's pronounced. Um, Gurdusky, however, did say that he would make sure that any Republican who voted for Amash's bill to end qualified immunity would be defeated. To which my response is lol. But no, they're trying to sweep this under the rug. And if this is brought up, they're going to say, oh, it was bad publicity. That was Anglin's excuse in the article. Seriously. It was that the New York Times, the Jew York Times, you could say, printed lies against him, despite the fact that up until the last week, up until we read the polls on this show, it wasn't until, like, just a few weeks ago, King was behind. Seriously, go go reread, or go re-listen to Monday's episode if you don't believe me. That's what happened. Okay? And do you know who have been behind for much longer? The two people that they are depending on to get nominations. Those being in Alabama, Jeff Sessions, and in Kansas, Chris Kobach. Okay? Now, I think both of those people are going to lose. And when they lose, I'm getting my umbrella because the tears have only started. Anyway, here's a story published yesterday in The Nation. The FBI finds no intel indicating Antifa involvement in Sunday's violence. Trump wants to designate Antifa as a terrorist organization despite lack of authority and evidence of wrongdoing. It's from Ken Klippenstein, who is one of the last good journalists on the left, in my opinion. The FBI's Washington field office, quote, has no intelligence indicating that Antifa's involvement slash presence in the violence that occurred on May 31st during the D.C. area protest over the murder of George Floyd, according to intel from the FBI situation report obtained exclusively by the nation. That same day, President Donald Trump announced on Twitter that he would dedicate Antifa as a terrorist organization even though the government has no existing authority to declare a domestic group of a terrorist organization and Antifa is not an organized group, 
Following the president's tweet, Attorney General William Barr said in a statement, quote, the violence incited or instigated and carried out by Antifa and other similar groups in connection with the rioting is domestic terrorism and will not and will be treated accordingly. Boy, that was a mouthful. So basically, there's no evidence that this terrorist group is, was at the event, nor that it's a group, nor does the president have the authority to declare them a terrorist group, he's going to do so anyway. The FBI report, however, states that, quote, based on CHS, confidential human source, canvassing, open source slash social media partner engagement, and Lyleson, FBI, WFO, has no intelligence indicating Antifa's involvement or presence. The statement followed a list of violent acts like throwing bricks at police and a discovery of a backpack containing explosive materials, which were flagged by the FBI under a keep update section of the report. The FBI has been issuing such reports daily since the weekend, according to a bureau source who added that none of these documents contained any evidence of Antifa violence. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> and I just want to say, I talked about um, the my entire thoughts on these riots earlier. So now we know that the groups that are claiming to have an ideological basis for showing up didn't show up. Okay, we found no evidence that any of the violence were done by ideological groups. Sounds like um, it was typically just a normal protest until, for instance, and there is evidence of police doing this, police went undercover and started committing violent acts. There are videos of that occurring. There's video of a police officer kneeling specifically so protesters will walk towards them and he'll pepper spray them. And side note, we think of pepper spray as like this normal police thing. If you're wearing contacts and you get pepper sprayed, that can permanently blind you. Seriously. That can permanently blind you. Um, so it sounds like most of the looting and the riots that have been going on were either instigated by authorities, and I don't mean in the sense of, oh, they started it by, I don't know, being police. I mean, they literally went undercover and started smashing things. Or it was people with no ideological basis just showing up in the middle of a um, chaotic time to steal things. Well, that sounds like um, virtually every opportunist criminal. What do you know? What do you know? Um, now, I'm not a genius. It's possible this is all just one big, giant coincidence Probably isn't, though. Probably isn't. Probably something going on here. You know, just, just something going on here. And the fact the president wants to you know, declare martial law kind of gives me that feeling. You know? I mean, normally throughout history, that just, that doesn't just happen. There's normally an event. And this is a big event. Would it be kind of convenient if... There was something else going on here. Some people behind it. I don't know. I'm just I'm just asking questions. That's what Republicans did back when Obama was president. They just asked questions. Um, and I'm still just asking questions. Who knows? Who knows? It's possible the official story is legitimate. If only they could pick what official story, because 
these FBI reports are not in the slightest bit uh, matching up with what William Barr and Donald Trump want to do. Seriously, they, they aren't. Best case scenario, they're just wrong and they aren't reading their own reports. Worst case scenario, there is something else going on here that I'm not going to say uh, because then I'd be because I'd then be labeled as insane. Although most of you guys probably think I'm insane, so who knows at this point? Who knows? I, I don't. I certainly don't. Joe Biden has a new ad out now. The only thing you need to know: the ad's a minute long, okay? And on it there are I can't show you it because this is only audio. On it there are like pictures of the. You saw Trump holding up the Bible. He posted that video yesterday. That was shown at, like, the Charlottesville rally and some of the George Floyd rallies. All of that was shown over this. I'm going to play you the audio now, and afterwards we'll talk about it. The country is crying out for leadership. Leadership that can unite us. Leadership that brings us together. I look at the presidency as a very big job. And nobody will get it right every time. And I won't either. But I promise you this. I won't traffic in fear and division. I won't fan the flames of hate. I'll seek to heal the racial wounds that have long plagued our country, not use them for political gain. I'll do my job and I will take responsibility. I won't blame others. I promise you, this job is not about me. It's about you. It's about us. To build a better future. That's what America does. We build the future. It may, in fact, be the most American thing to do. This is the United States of America. There's never been anything we've been unable to do when we set our mind to do it and we've done it together. Now, is it just me or isn't that exactly the kind of ad I told you Vice President Biden needed to make? I mean, seriously, down to a T. That is exactly what I remember telling you guys. I was talking about him on Liberty Hawk a few months ago. But a hundred years ago, Warren Harding won without campaigning in a single state because people were so tired of the chaotic Wilson administration. Seriously. Okay? His victory was the end of the progressive era. Uh, Warren Harding's was. And that was all done just because he promised a vague return to normal. That's what Biden needs to do. That is what Biden needs to do. I'm sorry, these last four years have been chaotic, and there are a lot of people who are just sick of it, who want to tune it out. And the fact is, when Barack Obama and Joe Biden were president, and mind you, hearing people say things like, Barack Obama didn't do anything. That is just nonsense. That makes us political analysts actually cringe. Because Barack Obama did a lot of things. Some good, some bad. Barack Obama, in truth, as a president, will probably go down in history next to people like Dwight Eisenhower and George H.W. Bush. People who didn't really, who did have some big ambitious ideas and spoke really well. However, they weren't quite, um, what they did was more specific based. I talked about this before, okay, but the genius, and I do mean the genius of the Obama administration was, and you hear it all the time, Obama didn't have any scandals, or why didn't the media make fun of Barack Obama? Well, Barack Obama did have scandals. 
He had tons of them. But they were very complicated. Okay? I, whatever your thoughts are on the IRS targeting scandal, it would have been a horrible Saturday Night Live skit. Same thing with Fast and Furious. Same thing with the failures of healthcare.gov. Same thing with a lot of what Barack Obama did. The truth is, the kind of genius of Barack Obama, the reason why he got the reputation as a do-nothing president, despite the fact he did do a lot of stuff, quite a bit of it bad, was because anything he did do was very complicated. Seriously. And that is why a lot of people were just able to check out of his administration, because anything he did, the average American... And I'm not saying the average American is stupid. I'm not saying that in the slightest. But they don't specialize in politics like a lot of people do. So when they hear the IRS is targeting Tea Party groups, you know, they don't get that. When they hear, oh, there was um, some issue down at the border and because of Eric Holder, some guards were shot dead or some agents were shot dead. They go, oh, well, wait, how? Oh, he sold them. What? It doesn't make any sense to them. It, it doesn't. It doesn't. And Barack Obama knew that and kept his scandals as complicated as possible. And so, as such, his administration was a kind of return to normal. That's the really weird part. If you look at Obama's 2008 ads, his big campaign slogan was, Yes, we can. And he had posted and said, Hope. In all honesty, uh, that was a complete scam. It's... The hope he changey thing, as Sarah Palin called it. Uh, and most of his voters knew that, by the way. They just didn't want a Republican in office because the Republican in office at that time was George W. Bush. However, then he got in and it was kind of his return to normal. Okay? And that sort of helps anti-establishment candidates in the short term. That's how Donald Trump got in. He was able to go in and shake things up is what his supporters wanted. Seriously, that's what his supporters kept saying. They want someone to shake things up and change the establishment and drain the swamp and all of that. Well, now they're seeing the end results of that. And they don't like that. They don't like that it might actually require them to pay a little bit of attention. They don't like that now they're being bombarded with news 24-7. They don't like that. They really don't. During the Obama years, they were able to just tune things out. And occasionally there'd be a big scandal. Not really that often, all things considered, compared to previous presidents, not really. You know, read the actual literature written on Barack Obama. There, there hasn't been very much of it because the administration ended such a short time ago. But, like, read um, the scandals Barack Obama got into. They were way more complicated than George W. Bush lied about there being WMDs in Iraq. Or Bill Clinton lied about getting a blowjob from an intern. Or Ronald Reagan sold weapons to a country we had an embargo on that you all wanted to nuke just a couple of years ago. You know, things like that. Things like that. And so Biden, what he needs to do, and we are seeing this more and more as Trump's approval rating drops especially, is he needs to embrace that. He needs to say, you remember how happy you were when Obama was president? I'm going to do that. Seriously, that's what he actually needs to do to win. It's a complete Warren Harding-style campaign. 
There's no doubt about that. And if he does that, I imagine he's going to win in a landslide. Seriously, I think he could win in a landslide. You know, there were a lot of people, and I was one of them, saying that Biden could just not win. Helps that he didn't really get a primary victory until South Carolina. Then he just swept Super Tuesday. Um, however, at this point, I think not only can Biden win, I think it's nowhere near as unlikely as a lot of people think. I think there's actually a very good chance that we will have a President Joe Biden. All he needs to do is run on a kind of return to normal candidacy. That's it. That's If he does that, he is going to win big time. I am calling it now. I am. I, I really am. I am calling it right now. If Biden runs on a return to normal candidacy, he will be president of the United States. I have no doubt. And what's a bigger return to normal than Joe Biden as it is? I mean, I hate to play this card, but he's an old white guy. <laughs> Even if he wasn't just an old white guy, he's been in politics since the 70s, okay? Most people have heard his name, even before he was uh, vice president for Barack Obama. Hence why he's the perfect man to bring in a return to normalcy campaign. And I think he can win with that. I really do. I really do. He needs to run as someone who's not going to rock the boat who is just going to let you get on with your life, and he's going to, as George W. Bush said after 9-11, just go shopping, I'll run the country. And people make fun of that, but hey, we were about to enter a recession, yeah, people kind of needed to go shopping. And even then, it was supposed to be kind of a symbolic statement. It was a stupid way to express a symbolic statement, but it was a symbolic statement. You remember that after 9-11, when George W. Bush said, hey, just, just go shopping, okay? That was his response. No, that wasn't his response. It's what he wanted your response to be. To show that you weren't afraid of terrorists. And that he was going to fight because he was such a strong leader. Of course, that was a scam, but that's another story entirely. So that's it. Joe Biden, run on the campaign of just go shopping. Seriously. Seriously. Do that, and you will get the White House in a landslide. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another Jeff Sessions update. Oh boy, oh boy. Now, I saw this today, okay, and I just couldn't believe it. Now, mind you, this is after Trump's best friend, Steve King, and yes, he was Trump's best friend for a while. And nothing wrong with that. There's a lot wrong with that. But that's just what happened. Uh, I saw Sessions tweet this. At Tommy Tuberville should man up and... Face his fears. I promise to use small, one-syllable words in a debate, but he won't debate because he knows almost nothing about Alabama or the critical issues our great nation faces. Hashtag AL Senate. And then he links to an article from the Alabama Reporter, Sessions blasts Tuberville for declining Fox News debate invitation. If you don't know, I previously covered... Sessions challenged Tuberville to, I think it was like seven debates back in May, okay? A large amount of debates. Now, Tuberville apparently declined, and I don't blame him. I really don't. I mean, he's ahead in the polls anyway. Sessions is almost certainly going to lose. What, what does he have to gain from this? 
The respect of Jeff Sessions? Lol. Let, let's just read the data. Now, in the original primary election, there were seven candidates, okay? Now, Tuberville came in first with about 33% of the vote. Session got about 32, so there's a reason they did a runoff, okay? That makes sense. And this runoff, by the way, is happening in July. Let's read the polls since then, why don't we? Uh, March 5th, 2020, WTS Consulting, Tuberville 49%, Sessions 42. More Information Group slash Yellowhammer News. This is from March 5th through 7th, Tuberville 49, Sessions 38. Uh, single, don't know if that's quite how that's pronounced. March 6th through 8th, Tuberville 52, Sessions 40. Again, Seagull, this is from May 7th through 10th, Tuberville 55, Session 32. On message from March 8th through 9th, had them tied at 45%. That's still not saying much. The fact is, Tuberville is in the lead. He is in the lead. So what, why would he do this debate the Sessions is challenging him to? What does he have to gain from that? Again, the only reason this race is still going on is because of the COVID-19 outbreak. If it wasn't for that, this race would have already ended and Session would have almost certainly lost. Because nobody likes Jeff Sessions. I'm sorry, nobody does. Not even Donald Trump likes him, and his entire campaign so far has been saying, I'm the successor to Donald Trump. Donald Trump would like to have a word with you. But okay, let's actually read the article. U.S. Senate candidate Jeff Sessions on Tuesday blasted his Republican primary opponent Tommy Tuberville for rejecting an invitation by Fox News Channel to have Chris Wallace host a debate between De Jeff Sessions and Tommy Tuberville on Wallace's Fox News Sunday show. Seems like a little excessive for a local race, but okay. I mean, is that just me? Doesn't that seem kind of excessive? Like, why on Fox News Sunday? Why Chris Wallace hosting? Shouldn't it be a local thing? I mean, that's what Sessions originally challenged him to. Um, Tuberville declined the opportunity to debate Sessions on Sunday news show six weeks ahead of the July 14th runoff to the U.S. Senate pro-Republican primary. Sessions said that Tuberville declining the invitation was telling. If Tommy Tuberville is too scared to debate on Fox News, he certainly won't be able to debate on the Senate floor, Sessions said. Anyone who can't debate can't represent Alabama in the United States Senate. Alabama wants fierce fighters to go to Washington, people who have the courage to debate and fight. Yes, fierce fighters like Jeff Sessions, who before this was known for saying that the Ku Klux Klan was fine until they smoked marijuana. And um, for that matter, that marijuana was bad because Lady Gaga said so. Seriously, he said both those things. There's an article from, I think it's The Nation, it might be The New Republic, from 2002, that just documented Sessions' quotes. That's who they sent to Washington. That's who they sent to Washington. And by the way, Jeff, and I don't like playing this card. I really don't. I want to make it clear. I don't like playing this card. But when I think of fighters, specifically from the state of Alabama... Let's just leave it at good things don't come to my mind. I typically think of a very grumpy man um, who lost the Democratic primary three times, also was an American independent candidate one time, got about 10 million votes in 1968, 
Um, all those votes, of course, are from segregated. I'm talking about George Wallace, if you can't tell. Uh, who Bernie Sanders, by the way, said he understood why people supported. Uh, just putting that out there. Yeah, you ever notice that, like, that's not what I think of when I think of good things. I don't think Alabama fires, and I think these brave warriors, I think that one really grumpy governor who was mad black people might go to a university. Literally stand at athwart the gates of history, you could say. But that's a different conversation. But no, the point is that Sessions is an egotist. I'm sorry, but that's what he is. That's why he wants Tuberville to focus as much time possible on him when there's no reason to. There is no reason to. Tuberville is leading already. But no, Sessions just has his campaign is just flailing in the wind right now. And he thinks that because he's so special, he should be able to debate Tuberville anywhere he wants. Well, okay, why? Why? What would that actually do in the long run? This isn't a close election or anything. No, it's very clear Tuberville is going to win. And when Sessions loses, it will be absolutely hilarious because the populist right will just lose their minds like they pretended to not lose their minds over Steve King. But no, Sessions is going to lose. I have no doubt about that. I really don't. It's that simple. And Sessions wants to delay that for as long as possible and feel like a real candidate for as long as possible. I mean, oh my god. You know what? Heck, Roy Moore had a better chance of winning than Sessions. Seriously. I'd go that far. I shouldn't have to go that far, but I will go that far. Roy Moore had a better chance than Jeff Sessions. No doubt in my mind. Sorry. Anyway, last thing for tonight. This is from Vox. The three former officers who aided Derek Chavin are charged in George Floyd's killing. Um... Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That does make sense. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison, and by the way, Ellison gets a lot of hate, and some of it is absolutely deserved. He posed with a um, with the official Antifa handbook in 2017, a photo that he later deleted, and there are also rumors of him engaging in domestic violence. I don't know how true that is, I'll be honest with you. I've just heard the rumors and never seen anyone try and dispute them. Um... However, he has done a surprisingly level-headed job when it comes to dealing with these protesters. Seriously, he's done a very level-headed job when everyone is basically demanding him to go really hard one way or really hard another way, you know, really hard with the protesters or really hard against them. He has actually managed to keep his calm, and I will credit him for that. I don't really agree with much of what Keith Ellison believes, but hey, credit where it's due. A Keith Ellison charged the three former police officers, Tio Thao, J. Alexander King, and Thomas Lane, with aiding and abetting the murder of George Floyd, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Ellison also elevated charge against former officer Derek Chavin from third-degree murder to second-degree. Shortly after Chavin was arrested on the lesser charge of third-degree murder, Floyd's family quote, expressed disappointment, stating their attorney that, quote, we expected a first-degree murder charge, and that, quote, we want to see the other officers involved in Floyd's death arrested. All four of them were fired from the police force shortly after Floyd's death. Now, considering that this is 
only them charging the officers, not trying to convict them on this alone. This is not Ellison locking them up in prison, okay? This is just him charging it. They get to go to court and have a thing and all that. I am in full support of this. Seriously. If it turns out they didn't do anything wrong, then you know what? We can find that out in the courtroom. But we need to actually start holding officers accountable if we want to get to the bottom of this police brutality issue. We do. I'm sorry. And that's why I'm also a firm defender of AMASH's bill to end qualified immunity. I remember I saw a tweet yesterday that said something like, who would become an officer if they could be sued for anything? First off, you can be sued for basically anything now. Okay, I could sue you because you have grass on your lawn if I wanted to. I'd probably lose, but I theoretically could. Uh, <laughs> and even then, like, it doesn't make it impossible for... It. There's just so much wrong with that idea. And the answer, by the way, to who would become a police officer... How about someone who's actually interested in making their community safer? Like, is that so hard? What's wrong with those people? Yeah, they'd still become police officers. I remember Gerdusky said, Oh, now only people who have nothing to lose will become police officers. How often do you actually think these cases prop up? Serious question. How often... Do you think these cases prop up? Not very often, a couple of times a year usually. Okay, now we've had two back-to-back, -back, but that's the exception, not the rule. 2014, there was some back-to-back, -back, but again, that's the exception, not the rule. Okay, and I do believe, for the record, that in a lot of these cases, if officers were to be sued, they'd, they'd win. Okay, the officers would win. There are cases where that would happen, and in that case, just let them go to court. Just let them go to court, let the court decide. I really don't see the issue here. I remember Gerdusky called it the Abolish the Police Act. Yeah, because the only way we can have authority figures is they're totally unaccountable. Most don't know that. Uh, like, does Gerdusky support a dictatorship? S serious question. Serious question. Because qualified immunity is basically the bedrock of authoritarianism. Now, that doesn't mean that every place with it becomes authoritarian. Far from it. Far from it. But a free society cannot, or a free society, blah. A free society can exist with it, but an authoritarian society cannot exist without it. That's what I was trying to say. Okay? And so, in order to actually get to the bottom, this is the main reason the qualified immunity repeal thing is a good idea. Okay? Because it would actually force these BLM activists to have to go to the courtrooms. And that's what I was saying yesterday. The fact is, these people should be forced to fight it out in the courts. No giant protests like we saw in Ferguson years ago. Okay? No riots like we're seeing now. Just go to court. And as of for a long time, the court has been very, very, very disproportionately um, in favor of the police. That's supposed to end. That's it. If you want to actually end the rioting, you have to actually look at what's causing the rioting. Okay? There's that Robert F. Kennedy quote. I read it out on Monday. The revolution's inevitable. It, they'll be nice to us if we're nice to them, but it's going to happen anyway. What's the John F. Kennedy quote? Those who make 
violent res or who those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. Said that to some Latin American diplomats back in 1962. That is what we are seeing right now. Amash is trying to make a peaceful res revolution possible, because without that, violent revolution is inevitable. And what do I mean by inevitable? I mean that's what's going on right now. Okay? You can try and send in the military if you truly want. That's a horrible idea. That is generally, if you want to actually squash the rebellion, that is a horrible idea. There is no worse idea than that. Because do you people really think, serious question, do you really think that over-policing, which caused this problem in the first place, will solve it as well? No, that's ridiculous. In truth, if you said in the military, all that's going to happen is these groups land their guns in the military. And the military is better trained. And for that matter, if you have like tanks rolling in there, which probably won't happen, but could happen, then all that's going to do is make more and more people turn against the military. Yeah, as of right now, 70% of people support uh, bringing in the military, but that's only when most of the violence is done by the rioters, okay? I think if you bring the military in there, most of the violence is going to be done by them. And yeah, the Americans and people will support occupation for a little bit, but martial law and occupation are not very popular by themselves. They aren't. They are popular briefly in certain circumstances, but no, as a whole, as a general policy, they are not popular. They are not liked. They are not seen by the American people as something they agree with. It, it, this is. If you want to know what Trump is proposing, remember that um, theory. Listen to the conspiracy theories about, oh, Barack Obama from like 09 on Fox that like Glenn Beck would push about Barack Obama is going to send the military and stick us all in the FEMA camps. That is basically what Trump is proposing right now. He could call this legislation the put people in the FEMA camp legislation. Well, it wouldn't involve legislation, but you know what I mean. You guys know what I mean. Okay? What Trump is talking about doing is the very fantasy every redneck imagines taking a gun to fight. <laughs> like, seriously. Seriously. You think that's really not going to have any backlash? I mean, okay, you're a Republican. You can play with it for slightly longer, but eventually people will start shooting. I'm sorry, they will. They will, and that's a bad thing. That's always a bad thing, but you're not going to solve that by creating more of the problem. What Trump is proposing is the very scenario every NRA member imagines themselves fighting. Seriously. That, that's what's going on. I'm sorry, and if Trump does that, then he is basically going to lose in 2020, no doubt about that, okay? No doubt about that. Biden can do whatever he wants, Trump will lose in 2020. I'm sorry, but that is what is going to happen, objectively so. Like, and that is why it is just better all around if we do what Ellison is doing, if we fight this through the courts. If you go to the courts and have it settled there instead of settled in the streets of riots. Mob rule is not a good thing, okay? But it doesn't happen in a vacuum. That's the thing. 
Violent riots do not happen in a vacuum. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to violently riot today. There is always something that caused it. And we need to discuss what that is, why it's happening, and how we can prevent it in the future. Because that's the only way you're going to actually prevent riots. You're not going to prevent riots by sending in the military. You're not going to prevent riots by uh, tweeting. You're going to prevent riots through actual policy. Through actual po That's what you need to do. I'm sorry, but that's what you need to do. And if Trump wants to refuse to do that, then, well, then losing re-election is the least of his concerns. Let's just leave it at that. Losing re-election is the least of his concerns at that point. Anyway, that's all for tonight. If you enjoy this show, you'll probably enjoy my book, Ramblings of a Madman, Life as an Anarchist. Follow me on Twitter at EfronJoseen1. Follow me on Gabbit at Peaceful underscore Globalist underscore Ephron. And follow me on Parlor at EfronJoseen. If you have anything you want to send me, a question, a comment, or a concern, send it to me at peacefulglobalistreview at gmail.com. That's peacefulglobalistreview at gmail.com. Just name of the show at gmail.com. I'm Ephraim, and good night.